Here we come, walking down the street. We get the funniest looks from everyone we meet. Hey, hey, we're the monkeys, and people say we monkey around. Hello there, and welcome to episode five of Turning Tracks. My name is Chris. And I'm Matt. And we're here to talk about the music that we love. For today's episode, we're going to be talking about a band that, as far as I know, was the first quote-unquote band I liked. They originated in an era that was before my time, but that didn't stop me from learning to love them. Don't go monkeying around, because today we listen to the music of The Monkees. Hi there, Matt. What's up, Chris? Oh, nothing much. I'm, uh... I'm excited. <laughs> I'm a oh boy, oh boy. I uh, so so going into this one knowing that um, you're not a fan of this band. I I don't know what your history is. We'll we'll get to that in a minute. But I'm I'm definitely a bit nervous, but also really hopeful that I can maybe not turn you around, but at least help uh, bring some proper appreciation to this this very strange band. <laughs> well, okay. So very quickly, right? Uh, last episode. Uh, you had mentioned it was the monkeys, and I was like, okay, I, I'm I'm interested. When we went off the air, I had told you very candidly that I do not like the monkeys. So that that I just want to give a cl- a bit of clarity to our our faithful listeners. I am, as far as I can tell, not a fan of the monkeys. And when we get into personal history, I'll I'll go into why that is. Okay, well, uh, I'm. I'm I'm pretty excited. We'll talk about our personal histories in a little bit, but first, let's go down with uh, some some basic history of who these people are for those of us who might be younger than us. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! All right, back in 1965, TV producers Bob Raffleson and Bert Schneider cooked up a sitcom idea about a rock group that bore more than a passing resemblance to the Beatles. Mickey Dolans, Mike Nesmith, Peter Tork, and Davy Jones were cast as the band The Monkees, and comedy ensued. The show was a hit thanks in no small part to the music associated with it. That music, however, wasn't actually created by The Monkees, as you can imagine. This led to some less than happy feelings between band members and the production company, especially since the music had become so popular on records, radio, etc. Eventually, the foursome gained creative control over their stuff, but interest in being a proper band had waned. They created a weird feature film called Head that performed pretty poorly, and they officially broke up in 1970. But television syndication is a thing, and with, or at least it was a thing, (laughs) with cable television becoming more prominent in the 80s, reruns of the Monkees TV show led to a revival in interest of both the show and the band's music. The band reformed to do tours, record more albums, and stayed more or less together for another 35 years. The Monkees collectively sold more than 75 million records worldwide and had a number of massive hits, some of which have been covered by multiple bands over the decades and have made a clear stamp on pop culture forever. In 2012, Davy Jones passed away, followed by Peter Tork in 2018. Mike and Mickey did a proper farewell tour in 2021, until Mike also sadly passed away as well, leaving Mickey the sole surviving monkey as of this recording. So, Matt, um, what is what is your personal history with the monkeys? So... I'm going to start off by saying the Monkees have performed no small feat. 75 75 million records worldwide is nothing to bat an eyelash at. And it's also, uh, I I also want to point out that I at no point 
in any of this or any other show that we will ever do where we we come across musicians that we just we just don't care for the music or whatever will i ever um uh, talk down on their talent because last time i checked they have a record you could buy in a store and i don't so <laughs> that being said um for me i don't have a lot of personal history with the monkeys i think when i was a kid and TV was, in fact, syndicating, and, you know, you'd have... Uh, growing up, I never had cable. I didn't get cable TV until I was, like, 26, and you're talking 2006, right? Um, so I was always a basic uh, network television kind of guy. You were always um, a basic bitch? Eh, well, you know, I didn't want to say it, but it's true. Um, I guess if I own it, it's a thing. <laughs> but uh, I only had, you know, uh, network television... And, you know, a lot of that stuff, I used to get a lot of those reruns, which is where, like, my love of things like, um, you know, Gilligan's Island and the Honeymooners and the Twilight Zone, it all comes from there, right? But The Monkees was certainly a show that I remember seeing a handful of episodes, and I just, I mean, I was a kid, so I didn't like it. It wasn't a cartoon. I was a very, very <laughs> one-dimensional child. I'm a fairly one-dimensional adult, but I was a very one-dimensional child, and when when the cartoon stopped and the TV, the adults came on, I, I wasn't interested. Um, and then growing up, I never really had much, um, I don't know, FaceTime with uh, the monkey, so to speak. Um, it just wasn't in my purview. You know, I, I talk about it all the time. I was a very angry kid. I wanted, you know, fast, aggressive, dark. Um, and the monkeys are the complete polar opposite <laughs> of that. Yeah. Like, like, there's no, they are the antithesis of that, if you will. Um, but it was when I became a live sound engineer that I really had uh, like my run-ins with "quote unquote" the monkeys, and I say "quote unquote" because um, up until the pandemic, where I was working, or I mean I'm still there, but we used to have a tribute band night, and we had a monkeys tribute band, and so I remember the first time they came, I thought, "Oh, the monkeys, oh boy," and listen. The guys that played in the band did the tribute. They were nice. They were great guys, grossly talented. Um, but I got, I was treated to two hours of monkeys music. And maybe it was because they played the same one hour set in the second set. Cause some band, some tribute bands will do that. Um, maybe it just, it's the music. I'm not, I'm not, big on it um maybe it's you know this kind of uh background residual of people always saying things like uh monkeys are the beatles uh monkeys are the beatles you know stones are the beatles and, and things like that like all these weird music comparisons that um i don't know now as an adult i'm like who cares it's art just leave it alone right monet or van gogh monet or <laughs> monet like come on now stop anyway i always say that because i saw a bunch of monets yesterday that's a story for another story um anyway uh, yeah, and like the revival of uh, I'm a Believer with the Shrek film and stuff, and then of <sighs> course it gets it gets covered by uh, Smash Mouth, which is like you know it's fun to hate on Smash Mouth. It's easy to hate on Smash Mouth, just the way it's fun and easy to hate on Nickelback, right? I don't know. I just I I I will say that the first I, well I I won't. I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. Um. With all music, though, I'm I'm open. I'm not gonna, you know, sit here and and keep my arms folded. Not that you could see it, and <laughs> listen begrudgingly. I'm I'm gonna listen with open ears, and you know, um, I've talked about it 
when we started the show, there's a lot of apprehension because music is very personal. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't want to be the guy on the show who, uh, you know, I would hate someone for do, to do this to me if I brought a band to the table and you were like, oh, I, I've listened to these guys, I hate them. <laughs> and then you just, you know, crapped on them the whole time. I would be devastated and I might actually quit the show. I don't, I, you know what I mean? It's, it's that personal music. is That's how deep I feel with music. And I, I feel like everyone else feels that way too. So I don't I'm, understand that I'm, I'm coming into this very open. Um, I just, I've never been a fan um my my experience with listening to the monkeys music has been like mm, okay you know that's pleasant and um having to mix the monkeys tribute band you know several times over my career you know the for 2 hours a night eh, you know it was a paycheck <laughs> you know what i mean like they're playing nothing's on fire okay i'm i might not go out of my way to be the extraordinary sound engineer to, you know, I know where the solos are and I know where the harmonies, you know what I mean? Like, so that's, that's my personal history with it. All right. That's fair. I was, I'm very curious what songs on the list you are overly familiar with and which ones you aren't. I don't know what songs. As we go through them, I'll, I'll point them out. I, 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 so my history with the monkeys was as a little kid. Um, we had saw, uh, the monkeys tv show on either nickelodeon or mtv like way back in the 80s when i was when i was really young and we had one of those little fisher price record players and so mm. my parents would buy us monkeys records <laughs> to play on our little <laughs> fisher price thing and i still have those records they're upstairs Aww. and they are beat to crap and most of them <laughs> aren't exactly listenable anymore so i've i've, I've replaced a few of them um but I I I always thought the show was 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 goofy as a kid. I've gone back and tried to watch it as an, as an adult, and it 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 has a certain nostalgia to it, but it doesn't doesn't hold up as well as mm -hmm. I wanted it to. <laughs> per se, oh, I get, I absolutely get that. Yeah. So I haven't gone back and watched it anymore because I don't want to taint any of those memories. The music, on the other hand, has <laughs> uh, stuck with me for my uh, entire life, and I think a big big part of that is the actual performances themselves. Um, the, you mentioned I'm a Believer by Smash Mouth, and I, I hate that song. <laughs> I, yeah. will, oh, I will forever, I will never forgive Shrek or Smash Mouth for doing what they did to that song. Okay. And it's not very different from the original one. It's the yeah. performance that's different. And that's, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll burn that bridge when we get there, but... Uh, <laughs> oh, it's fantastic! May the bridges you burn light the way in front of you. Anyway, <laughs> otherwise, how can I see the bridge? It's dark outside. Yeah. Um, what, was, what do you want me to do? I'm I'm hopeful that at the very least I can convey to you why I like this band as much as I do. Um, these sure. are these are. With the exception of one, these are all songs off of records that I had when I was a kid, and these are the ones that stuck out to me. There are a lot of Monkey songs that I don't particularly care for. Um, I'm not a very big Beatles fan, so um, mm. a lot of their stuff that reminds me of some of the Stranger Beatles songs. Uh, you had recently mentioned the Aunt Griselda. Yeah. Uh, it's not a song I'm overly fond of, well, which is... Yep why it's not here on this list, but I'm, I've always been a very big fan of uh, pleasant music, uh, major chords, uh, harmonies, and 
these are the songs that have uh, stuck with me throughout the course of my life. And I hope that uh, I hope that at the very least, by hearing them in their original forms, not by a cover band or anything, just the the energy right. and the chemistry that was involved in these songs, and also the information about who actually wrote the songs, um, yeah. is somewhat helpful uh, in at least illustrating why I love this band with every ounce of my heart. We have a um, uh, round when Peter died, I went to my local record store and I bought a, a best of the monkeys uh, double record. Cause this was before my mom had found my original monkeys records in her garage. Uh, but I had recently inherited a record player and I was like, I need to have the monkeys on vinyl. I just need to. And I found this, this mm-hmm. really great, uh, two album set that had just about every one of my favorite monkey monkey songs on there. Um, and it is, has since become one of my daughter's favorite records too, um, <laughs> which has been a really, really fun experience for me. Um, I'll say I want to listen to a record and she'll go down there and be like, I want to listen to the monkeys. And she, (laughs) she has favorite songs. She, she hums the tunes and it's like, it's, it's, it's really timelessly good music. Um, in, in a lot of degrees. So I'm a bit nervous. I, I I hope I can pull off what I wanted to pull off. Uh, I did have a little help from uh, my good friend Ferg. He helped me narrow down these tracks. Uh, he actually introduced me to a, a track that I didn't know. Uh, that made that made the cut because I was so very impressed by it. Um, he knows uh, probably more about the monkeys than I do, uh, but most of what we're going to be listening to, like I said, is from uh, their first couple of records, which were uh, the ones that I had when I was a kid, and I think really are the best of what they ever had to offer because of the specific magic and chemistry of those original recordings. There's like, there's just something special about them. So let's get to work. Thief. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, if I may, I'm sorry. I know you just said let's get to work. If I may, I will say that I'm I'm very curious to hear the original recordings because you're right. My only exposure really is a, um, you know, I'm a believer, right? The original, mm-hmm. um, and then Smash Mouth, Smash Mouth version, and subsequent covers. Um, second is the first track we're going to listen to, and I'll talk about it after the track. And third is the cover band. And even as, as I've heard some fantastic cover bands in my career, right? I've, I've worked a lot of them. You still can't capture that it factor the original band had. There's something there that no matter how hard you try, the band cannot encapsulate that. It's just, it's really just a time and a place um, kind of thing. So, um, and then the fact that Antique Griselda is not on here, and then you said you don't like some of their more, um, uh, we'll say, experimental mm-hmm. music, is is making me feel like this is going to be an episode where I go, oh, well, I, I guess I'm a Monkees fan. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we'll <laughs> which is, find out. Which is something that happens to me a lot, you know? Oh, well, hey, I guess... Yeah. I, I guess I do like broccoli. <laughs> Turns out I'm a Depeche Mode fan. Who knew? Yeah. Hey, look at that. <laughs> and by the way, thank you everybody for, for all your, your comments about our, our episodes and it's been great. So we, we'll, we'll get to you guys too. All right. Well, let's keep that train a moving. Oh, <laughs> hasn't even played the first one yet and we're already there. Oh, all right. The don't first. Ma- don't make me take back what I said. <laughs> The first track comes from uh, the very first Monkees album called The Monkees from 1966. 
Uh, this song is called The Last Train to Clarksville. It's one of their more popular hits. Um, I did veer off the beaten path on a couple of these. These aren't all greatest hits. You know, these, these weren't all the, 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 the big ones, but most of their songs did eventually find their way to radio, so that was kind of hard to avoid, you know, something that wasn't uh, a quote-unquote hit. But um, this song was originally written by Tommy Boyce and Bobby Hart, because, as we mentioned before, the Monkees themselves didn't write most of their original music. Uh, the lead vocals on this are by the incomparable Mickey Dolans, who just has a fantastic voice. Uh, and here is Last Train to Clarksville. Enjoy. <laughs> To Clarksville off of the 1966 album The Monkees, uh, sung by Mickey Dolans. I, um, that was one of the earliest songs I think I ever heard by the band, uh, besides obviously their theme song, which is what we opened the episode with, uh, because that was the theme song to the TV show. Uh, but I think if, if I can remember correctly, because I was probably pretty young when I heard this for the first time, that guitar riff I think was one of the first songs i ever heard that really stuck in my head like that's really good that dun, 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 dun. i really like that that riff and 
Uh, it, it, this definitely isn't my favorite monkey song of all time, but I really, really enjoy this one because of that riff and uh, just just the way Mickey sings. He's got a he's got a heck of a voice and his um, commitment to the vocals uh, is is very endearing. He's uh, the the way that he sings the words is like it's I don't know if you ever seen the Wallflowers perform. It's like dudes just singing the song and like. Mickey really, really got into it, and um, that that level of commitment to singing singing vocals is something I always appreciate in bands, and uh, it's one of the earliest examples of that that I can remember hearing uh, that I properly enjoyed. So, uh, first of all, I haven't heard the name The Wallflowers in like 15 years, <laughs> maybe 20, um, so thanks. Most um, boring band I ever saw live. Oh, that's a shame. I was so excited too. It was like Counting Crows and Wallflowers, and like, I liked the Wallflowers music. You know, it was it was good enough. But we were there for Counting yeah. Crows, and um, man, they just stood there. And I swear, at one point, he said, "All right, this will get your feet moving." And then he started playing the song. I'm like, "Are you kidding me? Like, your your feet aren't even moving." There's no energy here. And then Counting Crows came out and just annihilated the entire blew the stadium, roof off. Yeah, they're one of the best live bands I've ever seen. But sorry, sorry. Back to- <laughs> uh, that's, that's interesting. We'll 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 talk about that. Um, all right, last train to Clarksville. Right. Um, my first foray with this song is coming off of the uh, Rock Band game. Um, oh, this was in Rock Band. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't know that. Yep. Um, my friends and I <laughs> had a band. We called ourselves Sunday Morning Peep Show. Uh, because of a trip we took to Atlantic City. And uh, we we went in on a Friday. We left on a Sunday. We were going to catch the bus, and there was a strip club open on a Sunday morning. And we were making jokes about it. And my <laughs> friend goes, "Sunday morning peep show. That's a funny name for a band." And then two weeks later, we were like, "That's our band name for rock band." <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, right. First forays rock band. I remember very vividly playing it. I would always play bass because I was a bass player, uh, so I just play the bass. Um, it's a good song. Um. My, I think my biggest issue with it is that if the Beatles never existed, right, which is like a, and you, you're not a big Beatles fan, so it's kind of a tough, a tough ask for, for people to, to try and imagine a world where the Beatles didn't exist and they didn't change the course of like how people wrote music and popular music and so on and so forth. This has a lot of Beatles influence in it. Um, it does, yeah. There's, there's no question about it. Like, like if this were sung by the Beatles, it would have been a Paul McCartney song. Um, the, but again, I, I, I probably sound like I'm, I'm tearing it down and I'm not trying, I'm not attempting to, it's not my, my aim. Um, sonically, it's a really great track. I think, uh, this, uh, when was it? This was 66. So it was recorded probably 65, 66. Um, it definitely sounds like, um, you know, it was recorded on a four track and then bust down to two tracks so they can add more tracks because the drums are all in the, um, uh, left side. Um, you know, just those little artifacts of early multi-track recording and stuff. Stuff that, you know, mm-hmm. it's a little nerdy stuff there. Um, I do the guitar, that guitar lead. Dun, 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 like, it, that stutter from the first to the second note drives me up a wall, but in a way that it's not forgetful. Or forgettable, <laughs> I should say. That line will always be like, uh, uh, oh, you know, because you, you, he's playing whatever chord that is, and it's like, Where's the note? Oh, there. Okay. Um, there's a lot of interesting things going on. Um, 
the the backing harmonies mm-hmm. are are they they they're unexpected. Like if you've never heard this song before, they're very unexpected. There's like a another guitar line uh towards the end that just plays like the one high note, me, 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 like that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's whoa, okay. Um But it's a you know, to me it's it's a song and it's it's a nice song. <laughs> it's uh it's it it's a Chris song. It's like you said, it's it's bright, it's major chords, it's upbeat, it's you know, it's all smiles. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I'm, I'm familiar with last train to Clarksville and I, I dig it. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's there because I feel like it's a very good representation of the kinds of things I like about the monkeys. And also I really wanted yeah. to get something off of that first record, uh, just to kind of kick things off that wasn't themed to the monkeys. Uh, it is, I don't remember if I said this or just hinted at it, it is probably my least favorite of the songs that I picked. Uh, oh, okay. And probably one of the songs that I picked th- that was mostly because I felt it was important. Um, right. I, I, I do really like the song. I like it a lot, but mm-hmm. I feel like the stuff following is a little bit more more after my heart uh, than, than, than everything else. So there, There's something really to be, I mean, and this was a time too when, not necessarily every musician was writing their own music. Mm-hmm. Uh, I granted the monkeys are a special case because they were, they were a product, <laughs> right? They might've been one of the first, no, they weren't the first like band slapped together. Certainly there had to be, you know, girl groups before them and stuff like that. The Motown era, but, but uh, the question I wanted to ask actually, before we dove into more is everything on this episode is pretty much not them. Right, they didn't write any of this. Uh, they're, they're, some of them writ, wrote some of the songs that we'll be talking about. Okay, I'm just some curious of. as to like where the line is, where it's like, okay, all this is during the television show era, and then this is after they call it quits on the show, they reunite and they start making more music. So mm-hmm. please feel free to point that out for me, even though I've got the show notes. Yeah, I honestly <laughs> don't remember exactly where that line is. Uh, well, they broke up in yeah, no, uh. Almost all of this is during the TV show era, with the exception of, okay. I think, one track. Number eight, right? Yeah. Okay, because I'm, I'm just looking at dates. Yeah. That's fine. I'm Like I said, I'm just curious, and I want to see if that, uh, that yeah, plays it, out a certain way. It's that stuff that was afterwards that like I found there's definitely songs I like from that era, but mm-hmm. they don't scream the monkeys to me, you know? They, they don't, they feel like a different band, because they're different. Uh, writers you know right i was gonna say it's really the the mickey dolan's you know um and, and everyone it's mickey dolan it's uh mike it's, nesmith old, david yeah, jones it's, it's, yeah whatever whatever band that is yeah and right. th- there's there's definitely a lot of that same feeling in some of it but i i feel like a lot of the magic is missing and most of the songs i think of a big chunk of what i uh chose for this episode was written by who wrote this next song neil diamond Yep. Um, I didn't know, uh, till, you know, not that many years ago, but probably about 10 years ago is when I learned that, uh, Neil Diamond actually wrote most of my favorite monkey songs when, uh, a guy I was in the band, uh, in bandwidth at the time, uh, was like a big Neil Diamond fan. And he found out that I was a big monkeys fan. And he was like, you should listen to more of his stuff because he wrote m- a bunch of these. And he gave me a, uh, mix CD that he called Neil before Zod. <laughs> <laughs> N E I L. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, fantastic. So, um, track two is um, 
off of their second album, More of the Monkeys from 1967. Uh, I love this song. This is called Look Out, Here Comes Tomorrow. Uh, it was written by Neil Diamond, and lead vocals are by Davy Jones. And um, I always love Davy's voice. Uh, he's written, he, he sings some of my absolute favorite uh, Monkeys tunes. And this one's, um, I don't know, it's just, a, it's, this is a really good tune. Uh, I, I love it with all my heart. So here is Look Out, Here Comes Tomorrow by the Monkeys. Enjoy. Look out, here comes tomorrow. That's when I have to choose how I wish I could borrow someone else's shoes. Mary, oh, what a sweet girl. Look out! Here comes tomorrow by the monkeys. Uh, now, as a as a little kid, I did not really kind of get the whole he's in love with two girls kind of a thing and trying to choose. Like as a kid, the only thing that connected with me was "Look out! Here comes tomorrow." Oh, how I wish tomorrow would never come! Like, oh no, something bad's gonna happen tomorrow. I wish it wouldn't happen. <laughs> that was kind of like the depth of my understanding of this song, and um, I just think I think it's such a, a catchy tune. Uh, I love the guitar riffs. I love the really old sound of it. It's a, it's a, it's a, a song that warms my heart. I, I too love old production. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think of old, you know, punk records and old jazz recordings and stuff like that. And there's a lot of, um, a lot of what I love about the music is the fact that it was recorded way back when, when the tech wasn't so, you know evolved um so this piece of music i i I do love the message too. look out here comes tomorrow how i wish it wouldn't come you know and you're right yeah like oh something bad around the horizon i often (laughs) i also think like uh you know i I don't want to grow up you know the the marching of time and and things like that um uh this you said this was um 
let me look back in the notes. This was uh, Davy Jones singing. I, I never really, again, listened to the monkeys. I've never really heard Davy Jones. He's actually got a bit of a gruffness to his voice when he pushes. Like a, mm-hmm. I, I, I wish I could find my own because I love when singers do that. They, they have like a nice singing voice. And then when they push just enough, they get a little uh, gravel in it. And it sounds great. Like, uh, you know, some early grunge and stuff like that. Um, that being said, uh, the pipe organ is very funny to me <laughs> in yeah. the middle of it, like right smack in the middle of it. <laughs> it's a little, yeah, it's a product I, I get of its it. time. <laughs> yeah. I also get it too. Cause it was a television show. Mm. So you're, you're really trying to like, you're trying to get all the dollars. So, you know, if the kids are watching it, they, they're the ones that control the parents' purse strings. Um, if the parents are watching it, they have the money, you know, that sort of stuff. So I, I get it. So maybe the lightheartedness of the pipe organ and things like that, or like, you know, kids are gravitating towards it. I'm, I, I don't know. Um, um, musically, I actually, I had to hunt for the guitar. Like I was like, okay, I definitely hear the bass, definitely hear the drums. I can hear the, the key, uh, keyboard parts. Like, where's the guitar? It took me like a little bit to find, it was playing like major chords and then, mm-hmm kind of a uh, little jangly bits here and there like <laughs> that's that's what i think of a uh, last train of clarksville by the way is uh call those guitar parts jangly parts <laughs> excuse me your jangly parts are showing um oh my goodness <laughs> i didn't even know um <laughs> so right uh good song i f- real quick note about neil diamond if you don't know neil diamond or you don't know his body of work it is one massive and two, he is a prolific writer. Yeah. He has written for just about everyone. And I had a Neil Diamond tribute. This guy used to drive up from South Carolina to New York to play our one show. And my God, one, he sounded exactly like Neil Diamond and he was so talented. But then the first time he came, I was like, oh, Neil Diamond. Like, I was so very, like, oh, whatever. And then he just plays all these songs. And I'm like, I didn't know Neil Diamond wrote that. I didn't know Neil Diamond wrote that. He wrote that? Oh, my God. And then by the end of the first set, I was like, holy crap, I'm a Neil Diamond fan. And then he played the second set. And I was like, I'm absolutely a Neil Diamond fan. So I think everybody is, and they just don't know it yet. It's so, 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 so true. That's why liner notes are so important. So. Seriously. Well, we're going to go ahead and stick with Neil Diamond. Uh, this next track is another Neil Diamond, Davy Jones joint. Um, <laughs> this one I first heard on a uh, greatest hits album that I had in the 80s, um, but it was originally not actually on a, a record. This was uh, released as a single in 1967 uh, called A Little Bit Me, A Little Bit You. And uh, it was, this was, I distinctly remember this being one of my favorite songs when it came on on uh on our records when when we were kids um it's just got a really catchy um <clears throat> chorus to it it's uh another one of, it, it's a similar song to look out here comes tomorrow I, I i would think um got kind of a similar feel but it's just another one of my favorites um so here it is a uh, little bit of me a little bit of you uh from the little bit of me a little bit of you single released in 1967 sung by davy jones written by neil diamond enjoy Talk up and things will be okay. 
that was a little bit me, a little bit you by the monkeys from 1967. And uh, just to kind of put a little historical significance in my own personal uh, discovery of how music works, this is one of the first songs that I can remember that introduced me to one of my favorite things in music, and that is the transition from minor chords to major chords. Um, that that change, you know, it, it, illustrated by the bass here, really is what what drove that is once it goes into that chorus and it changes into a, a major chord progression with that really fun bass line that just kind of dances around the melody a bit there. Uh, it, it, it just, it's one of my favorite things in music is that successful transition from minor to major chords. Uh, and this is one of my favorite illustrations of it. And I also, uh, I'm a big fan of the, the lyrics in this one. Again, just Remembering back to what I thought of this as a kid and the idea that uh, a relationship between two people was a partnership uh, where it's a little bit of me and a little bit of you um, and there was compromise involved. Uh, it was just one of those things that stuck with me uh, between catchy lyrics, but also like let things float around in the back of my head of thinking about what those lyrics might mean, which has never really been my strong suit when it comes to music. I'm I'm very much a melody driven person, which is a big part of why I love uh, the, so many of these monkey songs is because their their melodies are very pleasant uh, and memorable. But uh, this is just, it's it's a song that's always meant a lot to me. And every time it comes on, when I hear those first opening chords on the acoustic and the clapping, it just, uh, it just kind of puts my heart at ease and, and makes me very happy. I, um, I'll agree with you. I, I like when it, when a song does do that, it goes from majors to minors and, and it, it modulates and all kinds of fun stuff like that. I really love that kind of dynamic in in music making. Um, I'm actually familiar with this song. This is probably one of the songs that uh, the the tribute band covered. Um, again, Neil Diamond's a powerhouse. <laughs> um, and if you're familiar with Neil Diamond music, I feel like this has a Neil Diamond thumbprint on it, like very much um, distinguishable from some other tracks and and so forth. Uh, David jo- Davy Jones does try that three times fast. Uh, <laughs> a fantastic job of uh, of singing. I, I like his voice. Uh, I like Mickey Dolan's too. He's got a nice voice, but I think I'm a I'm a Davy Jones kind of guy. <laughs> There's something there. I think I think because I saw that little gruff side of him, I'm like, oh, all right, Davy, you're the bad boy. Who? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, let's see. But again, you know, their music and 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 I take and or I should say take this with a grain of salt because this was all and I don't want to say written under duress, but it was written specifically for a television show, which was a product that had to maintain a certain level of standards. So, you know, the music still for me falls into a place of like, yep, this is pleasant. This is nice. You know, it's not offensive. It, probably sold a bunch of cars or something you know what I mean? <laughs> um made some executives very rich um uh but again not something i reach for uh but all the same you know the 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 sheer level of talent that still goes into making this to engineering it to creating it uh it's it's all still there it's still um i guess the word is like like airtight you know mm. what i mean like this stuff this is stuff that, regardless of where your leanings are, will hold up for a very, very long time. It's a product, I, but it's a good one. Right. I don't think... I, there's a lot of music out there that I think doesn't hold up. 
You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Unless you're like, you have to be that niche fan. You know, I'll say that about early hip hop. Early hip hop, you know, for a lot of people felt like a gimmick. And now it's a billion dollar industry. And it's, you know, grown from, you know, its humble beginnings. But some of that old stuff is a little tough to listen to because we've come so far. Right. Mm-hmm. But there's some stuff that will always it'll it'll be the rock of Gibraltar. It'll always be <laughs> there. You know, so I think the monkeys music and music like this is that type of music. So, well, I'm glad you're not hating it so far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> what's that? It's better than bad. It's good. Yeah, there you go. Like log. Yeah. All right. So this next one here is a uh, um. If this has always been one of my absolute favorite monkey songs, and I never hear anyone talk about it. I've never seen it land on one of their greatest hits albums or whatever. Uh, this comes off of their second album, More of the Monkeys, from 1967. Uh, the song is called Laugh. Uh, I remember you know listening to this record this record was probably my favorite when i was a kid uh it's probably still my favorite overall album of theirs is more of the monkeys has most of the ones that that really resonate with me but uh, this tune was written by phil margo mitch margo uh hank medris and jay siegel i can't believe it took four people to write this song uh <laughs> and uh it was sung by davy jones uh again this is just a goofy song um i think it's got a really fun it's a very simple song but the lyrics lyrics are just amusing and it was all there were all concepts that i could pretty much wrap my head around as a kid and i just think it's a really catchy and fun song and as far as monkey songs are concerned it's not one i ever hear anyone talk about so uh this is a it's a great tune it's a it's a good time here is laugh by the monkeys
that is laugh by the monkeys and i've you know what it's one of the few monkey songs that did pumps up of that off the top of my head that's not about being in love or about girls it's just about it's life's silly man just laugh <laughs> i know I'm, that message has always stuck with me i love how goofy and like kind of off kilter everything sounds like it's just like what's the you know, like like a wind up toy or something like that. It's just just slightly off rhythm here and there, very cobbled together, very goofy. The 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 backup vocals that are laughter. <laughs> it's a goofy song. It always always brings me joy. It's so carefree, uh, and I love this song. Yeah, I ha I was um you had said uh, just before playing the song that um the lyrical content were um what do you call it concepts that you could understand even as a kid. So I was like. All right, so let me let me really make a concerted effort to like really trying to suss out the lyrics. And so there was a line where he says, uh, "So just laugh when you've lost all your money." <laughs> yep. And I'm like, "Yeah, that's that's probably what I do. I'd probably <laughs> just laugh at myself. Like, can't find key... shoes to cover your feet. What are you gonna do? Just just laugh." <laughs> yeah, because you know the old saying goes, "Laugh today, cry tomorrow." <laughs> um, and then look out, here comes tomorrow. Look at that. Look at that. Not even a fan. Not even a fan. And I did it. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, I've said this to my wife and I think she thinks I'm crazy. But one of my favorite things to do of all time is laugh. So I love like hanging out with my friends and breaking each other's chops. I love watching, you know, television and movies that make me laugh. I love stand up comedy. I love just kind of being a people watcher. And finding the absurdities in in everyday life, I laugh at everything. I, I don't laugh like I'm the Joker where I need to be locked away, but I I make a smirk. <laughs> I make a mental note like that's weird, you know. Like I feel like in another life I should have been a stand up comic. When I was a kid, I wanted to be one. I just I don't have the mind to write stand up comedy, but that's a whole other story. Um, this one was good. I the he makes a he makes a comment about the baseline. Mm-hmm. being a little off and that's immediately when i was like wait let me listen to that baseline again and mm-hmm. i was like oh I, I guess so yeah it's it is it's it's all a little off kilter the yeah. whole track is just just off kilter enough that it it might even be a little maddening you know to the point where it makes you laugh like like the joker maybe i don't, I don't know <laughs> um very very interesting um uh, put together right like uh obviously we're still kind of recording primitively multi-tracking but um a very very interesting overall recording um effective nonetheless good song though i i i enjoyed it i really especially enjoyed the message obviously (laughs) you know hey man just just laugh it off right don't take things too seriously i remember um i had a, a a friend who was a girl not a girlfriend but a girlfriend um she had a a thing in her bedroom like a poster or something it was like um uh don't take life too seriously no one gets out alive and, <laughs> and that made me laugh so this is very much right up there with that cool well, i'm glad you liked it yeah all right uh next up comes um this is one of my favorite choruses ever um there's something about the 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 melody of the chorus in this song that is it's just one of my favorite things ever this is a the song is called what am i doing hanging around it's from pisces <laughs> aquarius capricorn and jones limited 
also from 1967 <laughs> because they were cranking them out in 1967. And I guess when you don't have to actually write the music, it's a lot easier to just crank them out. Especially when you have a, a crack team. You know, it looks like there's several pods. Yeah, people. there's. Yeah, it was not just like Neil Diamond didn't just do it. It was like everybody. They had like three or four teams of people just yeah. cranking out tunes for these people to perform. Banging out songs. Yeah. And uh, all you got to do is show up and record them. Yeah. This uh, this song was written by Michael Martin Murphy and Owen Castleman. Uh, lead vocals here by Mike Nesmith. It's uh, the first song that you'll hear from him uh, singing lead on. Mike was my sister's favorite. He had the green hat, uh, the green wool hat. <laughs> <laughs> um. I, I I love this song to to death. It's mu- much more um, country influenced than anything else mm. that we've heard so far. Um, but the the chorus on this one is there's like an innate sadness to this song that has always stuck with me, and it's um, I I think it's a wonderful piece of music. So here is what am I doing hanging around by the monkeys? Enjoy. <laughs> Just a loudmouth Yankee, I went down to Mexico I didn't have much time to spend about a week or so There I lightly took advantage of a girl who loved me so But I found myself thinking when the time had come to go should be on that train and gone I should be riding on that train to San Antonio What am I doing hanging around? She took me to the garden just for a little walk I didn't know much Spanish and there was no time for talk she told me that she loved me not with words but with a kiss And like a fool I kept on thinking of a train I could not miss What am I doing hanging round? I should be on that train and gone I should be riding on that train to San In a year or so And I want to go back again And if I get the money Well, I'll ride the same old train But I guess your chances come But once and boy, I sure missed mine And still I can't stop thinking When I hear some whistle
was What Am I Doing Hanging Around by the Monkees, sung by Mike Nesmith. Uh, I love the harmonies on that chorus for some... I just think it's such an amazingly put together melodic thing there. And um, again, as, as, a, as a kid, I don't think I really caught the, uh, the entire meaning of the lyrics of, you know, going to Mexico, finding someone, and then just thinking about how important your responsibilities are instead of following your heart and, you know, then leaving and missing a, a big opportunity. Uh, but the, the feeling of that sadness of missing out on something of, of making a choice and it having some sort of consequences on the rest of your life was definitely something that I think is conveyed so well by uh, the music itself. And just by the melody of how it's just ever so slightly sad. Like it's, it's very country and very kind of upbeat and plucky, but it's got a, 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 just a, a twinge of sadness to it. Uh, and I think it's the harmonies in the chorus that really kind of hit that home. And, um, it was just a, it was a feeling, you know, this, this song elicited a feeling that I was not old enough to understand at the time, just through, uh, just through its music. And I always thought that was really impressive. Um, but I, 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 I like my, like Nesmith's voice. Uh, he's, he definitely has a very unique voice compared to Davey and, and Mickey and, you know, Peter didn't really sing that often. Uh, but their voices all work so well together, uh, and being as different as they are. And uh, this just has some of my favorite my favorite harmonies in, in any song I've ever heard. And I'm sure nostalgia plays a big part in it, but it's still a, just it just it fills me with the feels every time I hear it. <laughs> um yeah, definitely definitely enjoyed that one. I if I'm not mistaken, I think the band's also covered this one too, because it sounds very familiar. And if they didn't cover it, it probably sounds familiar because it really hits that kind of um, 70s country uh, nail on the head. Um, I want to see the writing staff again really quickly. Michael Martin uh, Murphy and Owen Castleman. Nah, I'm not familiar with those names. I thought maybe they would have been ghostwriters for someone else, but a lot of the country uh, that I listen to is not um, ghostwritten, really. Um, but anyway, uh, it's, I like this one a lot, actually so far of everything that I've heard. Um, I think this is the standout for me again, so far. <laughs> me too. <laughs> this is my favorite track so far. Ah, okay, cool. I, I got to agree with you. I, I had the message, the lyrics, the, the storytelling. Fantastic. You know, what am I doing hanging around? Like, you know, I, I really, this is a great thing, but I really do need to go. I, I, I can't be here and I shouldn't be here. And then of course the leaving and then the, the thoughts it's, there's a lot to it. It's a, it's a very yeah. complex, it's funny cause it's a complex song for a TV show that probably, you know, was on the goofy side and probably maybe didn't have complex themes. I don't know. I've never really watched. Um, I don't you know, think I don't, it did. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't think shows like, <laughs> I the don't love... remember it super well, but I don't think it did. <laughs> I don't think shows like the love boat were really, you know, inter, uh, uh, bringing in, you know, deep storylines with double and triple cross, you know what I mean? So, um, I can't imagine that the monkeys were doing it either, but, um, this is a deep song, honestly, uh, sound wise. It's great. They got the great, like guitar twang, for that that 70s that that are the late 60s early 70s um country um you're right the harmonies on the chorus are fantastic when a band hits harmonies right the <laughs> hairs on the back of your neck should stand up yeah yeah it's one of the reasons i like dispatch so much it's it 
Yeah. Har- vocal harmonies are just, mm. And they're rare. Stuff right. Yeah, they're rare because when they hit them, ooh, my goodness, it's a straight <laughs> bullseye. Yeah. Um, and this was nothing short of that. The harmonies hit here are, are beautiful. Um, great song. Big fan. Big fan of this one. Outstanding. All right, we're getting another Mickey Mickey track here. Uh, this is this this I like a lot. This actually reminds me. Are you familiar with the movie? Um, uh, that thing you do. So. Uh, Amazon was having a sale for $2. I have uh, <laughs> stars and I have it for two months at $2 a month, right? I went through the entire movie list and I saw all the movies that I needed to watch and I made a list. That thing you do is like on, third on that list. Ah, wonderful. So so I know it. I'm very familiar of it. I just have never watched it. That's one of my one of my all-time favorite movies. And um, this... Uh, I have to assume that what this is 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 similar to something that happens in the movie because we mentioned before a little bit of me, a little bit of you, uh, a little bit of you uh, came out as a single in 1967. This song that we're going to listen to, the girl, the, the girl I knew somewhere, is a B side from that, and it is actually written by Mike Nesmith, one of the monkeys, mm. which makes me think that this was one of those things that he was pushing for. You know, I can do this too. You don't need to write our songs, mm-hmm. and so they let him have a B-side for a single uh, with right. a song that, that he wrote. And it turns out it's one of my favorites. Uh, this, is, this is a wonderful song. Um, uh, like I said, it was a B-side from the 1967 single, Little Bit of Me, Little Bit of You. Uh, this is uh, written by Mike Nesmith, sung by Mickey Dolenz. It is a fantastic song. It's called The Girl I Knew Somewhere. Enjoy.
right, that was The Girl I Knew Somewhere by Mike Nesmith, sung by Mickey Dolenz by the Monkees. Um, it's a little harpsichord heavy, but uh, outside of that, I think it's a, I think it's a fantastic song. I, I think it's super catchy. I, I like, I love the way Mickey, again, just, just, he, he's very uh, sincere when he sings. You know, he really, really um, commits to it. And his voice carries this song wonderfully. Um, and just, uh, I think it's a great song. I'll, I'll have to agree with you there. I definitely feel the, um, I guess, uh, the emotion in his voice. Like the words seem very genuine that he's saying. Mm-hmm. So I'll definitely agree with you. Um, I actually kind of like the harpsichord. I thought it was very. Um, like I didn't I... mean to say that was it was a bad thing. Uh, just, <laughs> just it's a very. It's a very surprisingly it, harpsichord heavy song. <laughs> it's just a thing. I get it. Um, I feel like the harpsichord might almost be, in my mind's eye, the Mickey's, uh, the Mickey's, <laughs> the monkey's uh, uh, trademark sound. Like, I feel like I, when I think of the monkey's, I think of kind of this harpsichord driven uh, keyboard stuff. Um, not, not that the music's driven by it, but that it's the leading uh, patch. Um, I feel like it's a very '60s thing. I, I don't know, '60s and '70s. Yeah, it, just, it feels very of that time. Yeah, I, yeah, you're right. It's very. I also on. have to assume the monkeys did it. Too. Uh, sorry, the Beatles did it too, and this was derivative oh, of that in some way, shape, or form. Again, I'm not not a, not a huge uh, understanding of the Beatles, but it's just a uh, yeah. There's a song the Beatles did, and it's all harpsichord. Now I can't think of what it is, and everyone who knows it by name is just screaming at their. <laughs> Their their player, and I hear it in my head. Oh hell, I'll I'll have it. I promise. I'm sorry. I'm such a failure. I'm such a I'm such a big Beatles fan, but I'm so bad with song titles. I'm, it's really not something I've been ever good with. Um, at any rate, this was a good one too. It was it was nice and pleasant. It was it had a nice up. Uh, uh, it has a nice beat to it. I actually really like the drums. Doom that 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 kind of like yeah. um I. I appreciate kind of um a little left to center drum patterns. Um it's refreshing cuz everything can just be boom that boom that you know and and of that nature. So to hear a little I hate to say it to put a little Ringo on it <laughs> cuz Ringo was very good at that sort of stuff. Um that was his wheelhouse. But yeah, yeah, good a good piece of music all all the same. Um and I do appreciate his voice. I, again, uh, like I said early on, and, and you keep um, reiterating, is um, the authenticity in his voice when he sings. So I mean, like, you know, we're talking about music that was like, you know, bot- bottled and packaged and, and, and ready to go. And they, they perform it with enough heart to make it feel like it means something. Uh, I think there's, there's definitely a, something to be said for that. And I, I just love it. Yeah, absolutely. Like this could very easily have fallen victim to just kind of uh the machine. Like a cookie cutter, you know, whatever. It could have just very easily been four guys collecting a paycheck and they didn't care. And you um, know what? I think if it did, then they never would have I don't think it ever would have taken off the way that it did. It's uh, there was no. this very specific magic to these all the people involved coming together yeah. in something that shouldn't have worked as well as it does and, and turned out to, <laughs> to ultimately do. Yeah, there you go. All right, next up we have a uh, um a song, another one that I'm I'm really fond of. Uh it's called I'll Be Back Up on My Feet 
Uh, this is from their album, The Birds, the Bees, and the Monkeys from 1968. <laughs> uh, this one was written by Sandy Linzer and Denny Randell. Uh, the lead vocals are here, again, by Mickey Dolans. Um, this is, uh, it's, it's a fun song. It's got an interesting rhythm to it. And uh, I've, it's another one that's always stuck with me. So here is I'll Be Back Up On My Feet by the Monkeys. Enjoy. I'll be back up on my feet from uh, the birds, the bees, and the monkeys. What'd you make of that one? Is he saying I'll find my boots and go? When I find when I find my boots, I know I've got to go. I think that's the I think that's the lyrics. Okay, that's uh, I mean that makes a ton of sense because you know I'll be back up on my feet and whole nine. Um, so I this is definitely a song that I feel is indicative of the monkeys. Um, I think like everything in it screams the monkeys like if you were to play me a song like this i would ask you is this from the monkeys <laughs> um so it has everything that you know we've we've seen on display already the the major chords the upbeat rhythms the the um what do you call it the kind of lyrical content i've i've kind of grown accustomed to thus far Mm-hmm. Uh, the horn section was a surprise. <laughs> yeah, a, I love a, that. <laughs> a pleasant surprise, nonetheless. I, you know, I don't mean to say like, oh, how dare they? Um, <laughs> it was, it was a great addition. I'm. Uh, this was recorded in sixty-eight. Sixty-eight. Okay, that's 
Interesting. I'm just trying to think of the um, what do you call it? I'm trying to think of how the production went for that, but uh, I won't go down that road. Um, it's good. I liked. I did like the the kind of lyrical content. The the bit of the play. I'll be up on my feet again. Uh, you know, as soon as I find my boots, I'll I'll go. Like that's a looking uh, high. Uh, it was a looking high, looking low, and when I find my boots, I know I gotta go. That, yeah, that's I'll be on my I'll be up on my feet again. There's like I don't know. There's something uh, I take away from a very procrastination like because <laughs> I because I very much can do that. It's like yeah, no, I'll get up and do the dishes as soon as this uh you know as soon as we go to commercial break or as soon as this <laughs> as soon as this scene is over or whatever. I, I I make those little deals with myself. So this definitely feels like a little deal with someone if not themselves or something. It's it's a good song. Cool. Glad you liked it. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, we got a few left here. This next one is one that I've only heard for the first time pretty recently. I kind of didn't listen to most modern monkey stuff because I was very set in my, uh, you know, I heard some of their 80s material and was like, this isn't for me. Um, apparently in 2016, they came out with a, a new record, which I believe was their last proper record uh, as the monkeys, which was called Good Times. Um, uh, my my friend Ferg uh, introduced me to this one. He rec- I asked him, uh, were there any you know, oddball songs that I didn't think of that uh, should be involved? And this was one of the ones he pointed out. Uh, this was written by Ben Gibbard, um, who is... Jeez, uh, come on, brain, you can do this. I forgot to write this one down. Ben Gibbard is uh, from the Postal Service. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. Yeah, uh, Death Cab for Cutie and the Postal Service. Uh, and this is, uh, this is just a gorgeous, gorgeous song. Um, lead vocals by Mike Nesmith with Mickey Dolan's on backup. Uh, it's just a really, really pretty song. Um, it's called me and Magdalena. Uh, I, <laughs> I said, I had never heard it before. I'm really glad I did. In fact, this, this album's pretty solid. Uh, it's, it's not amazing. It doesn't have that nostalgic hook that the, the stuff that I'm used to did, but I, I pretty well enjoyed it more than I, uh, really thought I would. Um, but this song was a real standout. Uh, it's just a really, really, really pretty song, and Mike and Mickey singing even in 2016. Um, their voices are just just beautiful in this one. So uh, here is "Me and Magdalena" by the Monkees. Enjoy.
Thank you very much, Ferg, for introducing me to that song. Uh, it's uh, that's that is one gorgeous song right there, and Mike and Mickey still sounding that good in 2016. Well done, guys. That was a really beautiful song. There's something about um, this is going to sound really like <laughs> like a backhanded compliment, but I don't mean it that way. <laughs> There's something about artists who get older, and um, you can hear it in their voice. Yeah. Uh, but they still have it. Mm-hmm. And this was one of those songs where you had two two musicians, two singers, uh, who've been, you know, singing their whole lives and and then they, they do something very late in their careers. But it it I mean, the dude from the Postal Service, uh Death Cab for Cutie, right? I'm not a big Death Cab fan. A postal service I do enjoy, not not Death Cab. I think he's a, a really great writer. And then to have the, the distinct honor of being able to write a song for the monkeys has got to be a huge, <laughs> huge thing for, for a lot of people, right? So with that comes great responsibility. And I think that what was put together was a good song that really takes the sound that the monkeys had and maybe makes it a wee bit more modern. Mm-hmm. Maybe because it's the recording technology and the time or, or whatever it may be. Maybe it's age. I don't know. It it brings them into a more modern setting. But, of course, we're talking about stuff that was written in, you know, written and recorded in the late 60s, early 70s and stuff. So, you know, you're looking at a 40-year, 50-year difference. But um, that was a really beautiful track. I really appreciated it a lot. Like, the lyrics were, were they weren't complicated. They're very sweet to an extent. They have their their voices sound great. Like the processing, just to kind of get them, you know, I, I talk about it a lot to get it in the same sonic space to get them to sound. They're they're in the same room together because multi track recording can take away a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a it was a very it was a very poignant, sweet little song, and I I really really like that. Yeah, me too. It's very, a <laughs> very big fan of that one. I, I don't know Postal Service and and Death Cab very much, but uh, uh apparently I'm going to. I'm, I bought my wife tickets to see them. Uh, hey, so, um, for for Christmas. These guys, on the other hand, I 
will always regret not pulling together the funds to go see them uh, while I still had the chance. Um, They were touring around this, this, you know, 2016 and and around that area. They were when, when, when Peter was still alive, they, they were touring and doing this farewell tour. And I almost bought tickets to see them a couple of times, but they were pretty pricey. And I was like, now I'll pass. And I, I really regret that. I, I mm-hmm. wish that I could have seen these guys perform live um, before it was too late. And, uh, but you know, it is what it is. <laughs> uh, I probably would have discovered this song a lot sooner had I done that. But uh, thank you very much Ferg, for introducing me to that song, which I uh, <laughs> love with all my heart. Um, all right. So the, the theory was by this point, that I had bought enough goodwill for the monkeys with you to to play this song. <laughs> oh next. no! To, oh no! The plan revealed. the 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 plan was <laughs> that all right. Let me show you what these guys can really do, uh, and then try to listen to this song with fresh ears. Because, like I said before, I will never forgive Shrek and Smash Mouth for doing what they did to this song. It's. <laughs> This song, I loved this song when I was a kid. This was another standout for me. Not not because it was a single, not because it was famous or anything. I didn't know anything about the radio or anything like that when this was out. This was just, I had the records, and this was one of those songs that I just gravitated to. This is I'm a Believer from More of the Monkeys from 1967. The song was originally written by Neil Diamond uh, and was subsequently brutalized by Smash Mouth. <laughs> And the thing is, don't don't hold back. By the way, <sighs> makes me so mad. So many people <laughs> know this song because of that. So many people mm-hmm. don't even know the original version of this song because the Smash Mouth one from Shrek. That's what this song is from. With Eddie Murphy singing as the donkey about the dragon, and it's it's this song in its original form is so much more special than that new one. There's an energy to it. They didn't even change all that much for the Smash Mouth one. They even tried to mimic a lot of the way that Mickey sings it. And there is just, they they don't have it. The Monkees did. And that was the reason this song became one of their biggest hits, was because this song is really freaking good. It's just, you gotta remove what you know about it currently in order to properly appreciate it. It's like... It's like uh, appreciating the original Super Mario Brothers theme, you know? Like, I've heard a, b- a bajillion times. When was the last time you actually listened to it, though? Like, I mean, really stopped right. and listened to it and appreciated how well that song was written. And that's kind of what I'm hoping for with I'm a Believer, because I can't stand that new version, but I still get so much joy from listening to this original version, because it's such a fun song. It's such a good song, uh, and they, it has so much more to offer than... Smash Mouth and Shrek. <laughs> <laughs> so the disdain in your voice, and so like I don't dislike Shrek. Right? I I don't. The first movie is pretty okay. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's as far as I'm gonna go. But it's just pretty okay. It's got some genuine good gags in there. It's ugly as sin, but that's fine. Is what it is. The bit Eddie Murphy did about parfaits is genuinely funny, but. <laughs> what they did to this song one of my favorite songs when i remember first time seeing that movie and then hearing that song at the end and being like ah uh, uh oh oh <laughs> why are you doing this <laughs> why <laughs> stop that the original's right there you're not even changing you're just stop that 
Uh, anyway. <laughs> so if you haven't heard this in a long time, or if you've never heard the original flavor, I present to you one of my favorite songs, I'm a Believer by the Monkees. Enjoy. Love is only true in fairy tales And for someone else but not for me Our love was out to get me Now that's the way it seemed Disappointment haunted all my dreams Then I saw her face Now I'm a believer Not a trace Put out in my mind I'm in love I'm a believer I couldn't leave her if I tried I thought love was more or less a given thing Seems the more I gave, the less I got What's the use in trying all you get is pain But when I needed sunshine I got rain oh, Then I saw her face Now I'm a believer Not a trace A doubt in my mind I'm in love I'm a believer I couldn't leave her if I tried Then I saw her face Now I'm a believer Not a trace Put out in my mind I'm in love I'm a believer I couldn't leave her if I tried Yes, I saw her face Now I'm a believer it's such a fantastic showcase of how good of a singer Mickey Dolenz is. He's his range throughout the course of that song is just it's it's silky smooth, which is so so different from the SOS pad. <laughs> that was the uh, Smash Mouth singer's voice uh, grinding his way through this song. It's it's <laughs> such a this is such a fun song, uh, and and it's it's delivered so well. And I'm like ninety nine percent sure I hear um, Davey singing backup on this one. There's just like somebody's singing backup with a British accent, so I have to assume it's Davey Jones. I can't confirm that, but it's it all just comes together so brilliantly, and it's um. I don't know what that keyboard sound is that, but do, 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 do. I don't know what that is, but it's, I, I remember the first time I heard this song being like, Ooh, ah, it's just, it's just a really good, a uh, good boppy tune. It's, it's fun. It's, it's exciting. And it is, it, it's so worthy of being such a popular song. And 
Uh, if you haven't listened to that version in a long time, you're welcome. Because <laughs> <it's>, uh, <laughs> I clearly have no love for the Smash Mouth cover. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty apparent. Um, <laughs> so to answer your question, that, that opening sound effect, uh-huh. that's a pipe, like a pipe organ. Okay. All right. Thank All right. You. Uh, yeah, no problem. Now, on to the harder part. Um, how do I feel about this track? So, here's the thing. I think this is a great song. I think that, um, for me, it fell victim to just getting smashed down my throat. Yeah. Right? I think that there's a lot of bands that all of us listen to. Musicians, artists, singers, whatever you want to, however they identify. That if they become popular and you happen to have access to those avenues where their music is posted a lot it gets crammed down your throat um this movie was ridiculously popular Mm -hmm. shrek and you know this was the tie-in that made it more money and i'm sure that the guys in the band weren't upset that there was a resurgence in the song and they were getting royalties and well no no, no. I'm sure Neil Diamond wasn't upset. Excuse me. <laughs> they they don't own any of this. Are you kidding me? Um, but um, I will say that it it almost is a Travisham mockery that uh, Smash Mouth covered it. And and again, it's not a terrible cover, right? It's not. It's just so pointless. <sighs> they didn't do anything to it. They didn't. Right. Do anything to it. They didn't put their own personality to it other nope. than he sang it. Like they barely changed the instruments. Like the original's right there. And it could have been a karaoke track. Exactly. It, it, yeah. But I, I don't know. There's something about it that just lost so much personality. And even every time I hear this song, I can't help but think of you know, comparing it to that Smash Mouth one. They didn't necessarily ruin it for me but they've changed it forever for me it's hard for mm-hmm. me to listen to this song and not hear his gravelly voice destroying what <laughs> this song over um when i listen to this this good one which was one of my favorite songs as a kid i there's a time and a place right for everything in this world in this universe there's a time and a place i think his gravelly voice wasn't right for the song i have to 100 percent agree with you hearing the original and hearing um who I'm sorry, who was singing this? This was this Dolan? Is Mickey, yeah. Okay, so having Dolan sing it, right? Uh, we talked about it through the course of the episode on the tracks that he sings. He's very genuine. His voice, his, uh, his timbre, his uh, delivery is very genuine. So like hearing him say things like, when I saw her face, like I'm a believer. I believe him. Like yeah. he never... He'd never seen anyone so beautiful in all his life that it made him believe in something bigger than him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like every every lyric that he's sung that I've heard so far, I believe every ounce of it that it comes out of him, that it's from deep down inside of him, even though he didn't write it, that he he believes it 110%. And that, to me, for music is important. I don't want to listen to a song about a bunch, you know, uh, uh, by a bunch of uh, ridiculously rich kids screaming about how hard they have it and how poor they are. I don't believe it. There's nothing, I believe absolutely nothing about it, right? So in this case, when you have someone like the dude from Smash Mouth who's got a gravelly voice, he's got that raspy voice, which I do enjoy. I do enjoy some Smash Mouth stuff, right? Um, 
it just doesn't work for this track. This track, original track by the Monkees, is um, is the song, right? There shouldn't have been another version of it. They should have just used the Monkees. It should have just been that. Unless like you're you going to s- do something interesting with it. I am all for doing covers of songs if you do something interesting with it. Um, but let me but let me ask you this question. Like, so I agree with you. Like, make it your own, right? Do something with it, right? But what if they gave it to a band and they did something interesting with it and it was absolute dog mess? Oh, you, you know what? How I, much would you have been more hurt or less hurt than this Smash Mouth version? I think I would have been less hurt because I wouldn't think about it so much. <laughs> you know okay it wouldn't it it doesn't line up like it doesn't lay right on top of it like he sang the end like where mickey's just kind of i'm a believer yeah 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 like that was that has a very ad-libish feel and he did that like down to the inflections just tried to impersonate and it's like mm-hmm. that it just makes it feel so much more attempting to overwrite than doing its own thing i will forgive a creative approach that sucks because it's, <laughs> if it's creative, you know, sure, and, okay. and, and there's sometimes that works out amazingly well. I think of like Ben folds doing the cover of a, uh, uh, in between days by the cure, like mm. just in, it mm-hmm. infused it with this crazy amount of energy. And it's like, it doesn't change that song at all for me. Like it doesn't change the anything original. about the original for me. Yeah. It's like, because the original is such a unique, distinct thing. Um, but once you start doing a cover, that's just, so on the nose it it makes it it can detract especially when it becomes so ubiquitous i mean shrek and that song was everywhere it was a juggernaut you could not go anywhere and not like have something of it somewhere it's absolutely true all right i i appreciate that i i absolutely get where you're coming from and i can to a to a great extent i can definitely get that because there are some songs that i really enjoy that have had some god awful covers and because they're so bad i've forgotten about them like <laughs> yeah. my mind is like they don't exist when uh, you think gr- about the new one it's like it's, you can't even sing sing the cover version along with it in your own head Mm-mm. because it's just it's just too different so yeah, no. So, all right. So I appreciate that. Now, back to the original. Um, I'm going to say that you didn't have to butter me up with, <laughs> with eight tracks of, of varying degrees of, you know, the monkeys uh, with that beautiful 2016 song by, you know, some <laughs> aged monkeys. You didn't have to do any of that. The song um, for me, whether I like, hate, or am indifferent to the monkeys. The song I'm a Believer to me is one of those songs that is absolutely tried and true, will always be in the pantheon of good m- music. It there are songs that transcend like um album sales, you know, di- platinum, you know, silver gold, platinum, diamond. They transcend all that. And they're just some songs that will always be in the conversation of good music uh, and and just I this is one of them. I think this is one of those songs that 50 years from now, you know, the way we look at like Beethoven and Mozart stuff, we're like, ah, oh, it's the classics. You know, someone's going to be like, hey, did you ever hear of the monkeys? Check this song out. Like, yeah. Oh, it's oh, my God. This is a uh, it's a really well written song. I mean, again, 
Neil Diamond. Like you cannot go wrong with Neil Diamond. I I I beseech you to to listen to Neil Diamond. Go look at the stuff that Neil Diamond's written, not recorded, and just blow yourself away. Uh, a a classic banger from Neil Diamond through the lens of the monkeys. Like it was if you ask me, this was the exact uh right place, right time, lightning in a bottle, perfect pairing of talent and talent and production. I I've never hated this song. I hated what became of it. Mm-hmm. Right? We we've we've beaten that horse to death with Smash Mouth. I won't go into it anymore. Um, but again, that idea of getting this thing crammed down your throat, it makes you so sick. And I, I, I genuinely get deep, adverse feelings to stuff like that. My wife will make fun of me because people will tell me things like, oh, you like this? You should, you're going to like this. You're going to like this. And please don't tell me what I'm going to like. Mm. Uh, just say, hey, uh, oh, if you're a fan of this, check these guys out. I appreciate that more because now the hype train isn't there. Yeah. So. You get this hype train, you get this this juggernaut of a movie that's just pushing this song. The music video's everywhere. Smash Mouth's on top of the world in Bizarro Land. It's cats and dogs living together. It's madness <laughs> in the streets. Um, great song. Hands down. Great song. It it for me it will live in the pantheon of of great music, period. Well, similarly to that, or at least in my pantheon, uh, we come to our last track of the night. <laughs> the day whatever it is um wherever you are wherever you are uh this is if i had to list my top five songs ever by anyone this would Mm. be in the top five um this this is the first song i ever truly loved uh, as a kid that was just like landed in my head on every level just this song is called Daydream Believer. I'm sure you've heard it before. <laughs> this song is uh, it's from The Birds, the Bees, and the Monkeys from 1968. It was written by John Stewart, not that John Stewart. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> At least I don't think that John Stewart. <laughs> I don't know that he was alive yet, but sure. His name's spelled a little differently, but uh, the lead vocals in this one are uh, by Davy Jones. Um, I remember seeing the music video for this one or seeing it pop up on an episode of the show, and uh, it's just one of those... Uh, choruses that just i just love it i just love the chorus the melody of the chorus of this song is one of the most perfect melodies i've ever heard uh just just the right degree of of harmonies it's it's a it's it's a gorgeous song and if you've never heard it before i i i mean i'd say i don't know how but i don't think this song's been all that popular for a, a long time uh except they did oh boy one of the um, tr- original trailers for WandaVision used uh, a really creepy version of this song. It was amazing because they just oh. they just took the lyrics. They didn't re-record it. It was just like Davies lyrics, like a really creepy version on the trailer. I was, <laughs> was going to ask if they had done the female slow, uh, deep uh, echo. I'm been- certain somebody has. They <laughs> must have at this point. Um, no, they just took uh, like the lyrics like the actual recording of, of mm-hmm. Davey singing and made it like creepy over the WandaVision thing. I said, oh, this is really freaking cool. I'm excited for this show, but now you're shoving one of my favorite songs over it and not destroying it. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Smash mouth. You could learn a thing or two. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, goodness, that got me so excited. Same with similarly thing. Got me super excited. You saw the trailer for guardians of the galaxy three and they used, no. uh, uh, they did a similar thing with, um, 
uh, in the meantime by Space Hog, another one of my <gasps> favorite songs. Oh, it's... I love Space Hog. Oh my god, I love that song. Oh, that's such a great song, and they use it. It just seriously, just watch the Guardians Three trailer just for that. the The treatment they did of that song in the trailer is like. It's like a really crazy epic version of that song. It's nuts. <laughs> I have a really great Space Hog story that I'll save for another time. Excellent, excellent. Uh, all right, so um, honestly, goodness, one of my favorite songs ever. I know it's cheesy, and I don't care. I just i <laughs> I stand behind this a hundred and a hundred trillion times percent. Uh, this is Daydream Believer by the Monkees. Enjoy. Seven A. What number is this, Chip? Seven A. Okay, no, don't get excited, man. Because I'm short, I know. Oh, I could hide beneath the wings of the bluebird as she sings. The six o'clock alarm would never ring. But it rings and I rise. Wipe the sleep out of my eyes My shaven razor's cold And it stings Cheer up, sleepy Jean Oh, what can it mean to a daydream believer And a homecoming queen of me as a white knight on his steed Now you know how happy I can be Oh, and our good time starts and ends Without our love one to spend But how much, baby, do we really Daydream Believer by the Monkees, and it's uh, it's one of my it, it's that's <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm booking. I'm booking. No, it's just that song just just rips my heart. You know, it's just I I love specifically the harmony on, and I'm pretty sure it's just Davy harmonizing with himself. But the oh, what can it mean to a uh, that specific piece of song right there is just 
perfection. It is some of the most perfect, beautiful music I've ever heard in my life. It's it's nuts. Um, but really, the whole song is just such a really. It's super sappy, very lovey, and I just don't care. It's just like that's <laughs> that's me. I'm I'm I've always been a hopeless romantic, and this mm-hmm. song is just one of the most hopelessly romantic songs ever. I mean, he says a ton about a, a knight on his steed for crying out loud. It doesn't, it, it, the only thing cheesier than this is cheddar. It's just so, <laughs> it's so, I don't care. It's just, yeah. he sings it with conviction. And mm-hmm. and that's that's what makes it special. It's such a special song. So much so that they kept that goof from the beginning, you know, about 7A. Like, that's that's part yeah. of the track. and. Because there was a there was an energy, there was a personality to this uh, that just just exudes every note in it. It's marvelous, and I love it to death. Um, so one of the, this song is definitely uh, sung by a hopeless romantic for hopeless romantics. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I'm not knocking you because I have that in me too. There's certainly there's certainly uh, I think we all have a, a bit of hopeless romantic in us. I think that's what you know keeps us going from time to time and. So on and so forth. I think one of my big takeaways from this episode um, and from the bands really is that despite being a group of guys that were essentially slapped together and their early careers were entire, entirely um, you know, written for them and kind of predetermined, uh, they really show up in such a way that and I I made a comment, and so did you, where you wouldn't expect them to, meaning they very easily could have just collected the paychecks, right? But they showed up, and they did their absolute best, and it comes through in everything, especially the singers. Mm-hmm. Each, each um, Nesmith, uh, Davey, and um, uh, Dolans, they all bring to the table this authenticity that like I said, could absolutely have just been missing and they very much very easily could have just been another like, I don't know, Partridge family, Brady bunch, you know what I mean? Just manufactured and, and just for a a payday. Um, so if, if nothing else, I really appreciate that. And this song is no shortage of that. Like I hear him singing and like when he, when he says like, you thought I was a white knight on a steed and I'm like, man, do I get that? Because like, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you feel your way about yourself, right? And your partner feels a different way. They nine times out of 10, your partner usually sees you in a better light than you see yourself, right? Cause you live inside your head, you know, all your weird dark thoughts and blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. But actions speak louder than words and you go and you walk the dog at 3 a.m. in the rain you run to the store and get ice cream because there's a craving you know you you do all these things and and you're a white knight to someone else but not to you and like oh i feel that i really 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 feel that and there's a lot of the lyrics that that are here even the lyrics that i didn't catch the vocal performance has such a level of um authenticism uh authenticism that's not a right authenticity. word. Authenticity. Thank you. Authenticity. Oh, God. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, there's, there's such a level of authenticity to it um, in the performances that are uh, fantastic. So, um, yeah, 
That was I, and and yes, that's a song that the band did cover. It's one of their bigger ones too. So I the minute the minute oh, he yeah. starts singing, so, oh yeah, 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 I know, I definitely know this one. But again, as you said at the beginning of the show, hearing the original recordings versus a, a cover band because you, I don't care how good a singer you are, right? Sometimes once one percent of the time you get someone that sounds exactly like the original singer. Everything else is just an impression. And so <laughs> to get the original is, is, you know, go to the source. Go to the original source. Even if you like the cover more. Because there's one or two instances where I like the cover more than the original. But go to the original source at the very least, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. and try it. Just try it out. And at the very least, you could say, you know what? I listened to the original. It's, uh, I grew up on the cover. I like the cover a little bit more. I appreciate the original, but I, I like the cover more. Mm-hmm. Except for Smash Mouth. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, final thoughts. I I appreciated everything you put in front of me. Um, it doesn't make me a Monkees fan by any stretch of the imagination. I'm not going to run out and buy Monkees material. I, however, have a better appreciation for the group, for the writers who put all in the, the put in the hard work to to craft these tracks, uh, the, the lyrics and, and music and stuff. And it just reiterates how much of a boss bitch Neil Diamond is. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's all I had hoped for was to get you <laughs> a, a, and to at least an appreciation for the monkeys. Um, because I know that the way I said it to you after we went off the air, I was like, uh, I hate the monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> and I felt so terrible saying that to you. But like that's, I didn't, that's okay. I, I didn't. I, it's like I said, music is so personal to me, and I, I might have cried if you had said that to me. <laughs> if you're like, I hate Depeche Mode, I'd have been like, I have to go now. <laughs> but I, I, I took it as, uh, I took it as a challenge because the, yeah. the, the point is, like, even if, even if you had, you had picked a band that I don't like, the idea yeah. would be to go in with. It's true. Let me try to hear it from your perspective. Let me try to let yeah. me try to hear experience this through your eyes, and see why you like it, and see if that can if it connects with me any better. Um, which yep. is it's happened to me a lot with music in the past. I would hear a song, and like, not really care for it at all. And then somebody else would say, "I love this song," and talk to me about why they love that song. And the next time I hear it, I'd be like. Oh, I get it. It didn't. Mm-hmm. This d- didn't connect with me before, but I, un- with your excitement added to it, I understand it now. And now I, now I like this song too. It's 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 yeah. it's that kind of a thing. And really, it's very easy to write this band off as a joke because I mean, right? It is quite was it intended as a joke. <laughs> you know, yeah, this, it was. <laughs> they were formed for a sitcom. Like they are a product, but something really special came out of it and mm-hmm. shaped so much of what I like about music um, uh, with, with these songs. And really these are the, these songs that I, that I lined up here are just these, these are the bedrock of my musical personality. Uh, it's, it's thinking back to listening to these songs on that Fisher price record player um, and just the the messages that came across, we we mentioned the the white knight uh, lyric, but I I just remember being a kid, and not even understanding all the lyrics, but just what what I gleaned off of them about what and this is you know overly sappy talking about the monkeys, but really what love 
between people is. I mean, that lyric is, you once thought of me as a white knight on a steed, now you know how happy I can be. And our good times start and end without a dollar one to spend, without dollar one to spend, but how much baby do we really need? And that, you know, we were pretty poor growing, growing up, you know? I mean, I mm-hmm. talk about having a record player, my parents buy me records and stuff, but we we did not have much growing up. And so listening to these records was like, you know, that was the entertainment, you know, till I got old yeah. enough to get my first Atari, like Nintendo is already out. So my parents buy me an Atari 2600 junior for 50 bucks, you know, video games. And I didn't care, you know, cause I, it was, it was less about the materials. It was the, the thing, what I had meant, meant, you know, that meant a lot. It was, it was, um, I learned to appreciate everything that we had. And these a lot of these lyrics are very you know very vapid of just like you know cute girl choosing between two girls yeah. but then some yeah. of them just have these the just the concept of a daydream believer you know like uh, this is just somebody who dreams and believes in dreams and that's th- there's something just simple and wonderful about that kind of stuff you know and uh it was those kinds of lyrics that affected me so much as a kid is 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 an interesting thing because like I've said before I've said before I'm not super into lyrics I'm not a super lyrical guy I mean one of my favorite bands is Collective Soul and I don't <laughs> I don't think about their lyrics all that much I sing along to them but um for the most part I love that band because of its melodies and um these songs were kind of where I originally got that from but their lyrics as simple as they are, are always yeah, some of them really permeated. Some of them really made it through, and even just the tone of a song was enough to, to elicit specific emotions, even in a kid, um, from this kind of music. And I, I personally cannot wait until my daughter gets old enough to tell me what this music means to her. Uh, I'm I'm fascinated by it. Like my my son John, he. He's super into video game music. Um, he does not have much thoughts of anything outside of video game music, which is <laughs> which is very interesting. Uh, Ellie, on the other hand, she likes a lot of music and she likes a lot of the stuff that her her mom likes. But she also is she loves Bang Bang by Dispatch. It's one of the records she always likes to put on. She loves the General. Um, she loves this Monkeys album. She loves Flood by They Might Be, Might Be Giants. Those are like the three records that she oh, wow. she gravitates towards and. They couldn't be more different. <laughs> those three albums. That's true. Um, but they're. I, I'm. I'm so fascinated by her musical taste, and I'm so curious what these songs are going to mean to her, especially these monkey songs, because they're so much older. You know, these songs yeah. were old when I was a kid. And... <laughs> they were almost old when they were made. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 here I am still talking about them today. Like uh, mm-hmm. it's that transcends time music is a music is a master magical thing um it really really is man so on that note it's time to wrap things up that's gonna be our show thanks everybody for listening matt what's our next episode gonna be on i am i'm so curious oh i don't know man um so i think prior to uh hitting record on this we were we were goofing on how all over the map the first four episodes of this or five episodes of this program (laughs) has been right um, I'm not, I swear to you, I'm not doing this on purpose. Um, I was, when we first started talking about the show, I tried to plot out my first three and I wanted my first three to really encompass kind of who I am. Um, and I think I did that a, a great job of that with white zombie and then 
the the Depeche Mode part. And then I said, well, there's a piece of, I mean, there's still two pieces of me missing. So really the first four are probably going to be all of me. And then it's going to be, you know, just bands I love and, and artists I love after that. Um, that being said, I'm going to stop rambling. I am beyond the shadow of a doubt, one of the biggest fans of the man in black. So next episode is going to be Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash. Mm-hmm. Okay. I have very little, um, oh, very little fan- knowledge of Johnny Cash. I fantastic. do very, I almost brought up his cover of Closer earlier when talking about covers of songs yes. that are so different from the originals, yes. even if I don't like them, which I don't dislike the cover, uh, Johnny Cash's cover of Closer. I'm not saying that, but even if I didn't like it, it would have no bearing on the Nine Inch Nails original because yeah. it is a completely different animal. It did his own thing mm-hmm. with it. So, all right, Johnny Cash didn't see that coming. All right, <laughs> I'm gonna keep you guessing for a little while. I, I like uh, I like this musical education I'm getting. This is very cool. <laughs> I, listen, I feel the exact same way. You you hit me with Dispatch, who I'd never even heard of. I'm a fan now. You hit me with the Monkees, which I had a very different. Um, uh, leaning and and I'm I'm very happy that I don't anymore. So it's it's the experiment is going well. I would say <laughs> super fun. All right, Johnny Cash is our next episode. That's super cool. Uh, and with that, let's wrap things up. We here at Turning Tracks are incredibly grateful to everyone who listens, and we love communicating with you when we can. We have a couple of ways you can do that. There's the Geek Aid Discord channel in which we have a Turning Tracks chat where we hope to discuss all manner of stuff relating to music and whatever our next episodes are going to be. And of course, you can always still send us an email at mail at geekade.com. And while you're at it, check out all our social media channels, which you should totally follow, like, and subscribe to if you haven't already. Turning Tracks and other Geekade podcasts are made possible thanks to the Geekade Patreon page. There, patrons can get access to a monthly podcast topic and recording schedule, get early access to most of Geekade's shows, including this one and more, If you've enjoyed our podcast over the years, please follow the link in the description and give it a look. We really appreciate it. Finally, as always, be sure to check out all the other great content we have on our site over at geekade.com. We're going to leave you with a song from Headquarters, another really solid Monkees album that I didn't pick any songs off of. (laughs) Uh, Except for this one. Uh, this song is called No Time. Uh, Headquarters was one of the three albums, three albums the band released in 1967. Which That's is so crazy. Oh, man. The, the, the song's writing credits actually include all four monkeys, plus Hank Sicalo, hey. C- I think is how you say that. But yeah, all four of the monkeys actually pitched in to write this song, and it is kick-ass. It is super high energy. It's really fun to listen to, and it, it really, it reminds me of, like, 1950s dance music you know it's it's mm. got that really high energy like uh like twist and shout kind of you know it's one of those kind of like really perfect high energy danceable songs um and i thought it'd be a really fun way to end the episode so there it is enjoy it thanks for listening everybody we'll see you next month for johnny cash <laughs> have a good day night week month year whatever <laughs> Laters. See the rabbit home home and what did you expect? No time. No time, no time. At no all. time for you.
Self-defense, no time. No time, no time. 